Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Oh, praise the Lord. It is the final Sunday in this month and in this series, and I'm honored to be able to close it out. And uh, with that being said, I want to preach a message today titled, Dream Seeds. Dream Seeds. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, I thank you that the kingdom, your kingdom, has come. It's came in and through Jesus. And it's him we honor. It's him we seek. Tim, we desire. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would inflame our hearts to love him, to know him, to be open to his working, that your kingdom would come in our hearts and our minds, and that you would be glorified in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. The movie today that we're going to look at and draw from and see parallels to biblical truth is the movie Inception. The movie Inception stars Leonardo DiCaprio. It was released in 2010 and was rated PG-13. It is a science fiction action film. So this is the first uh, science fiction film in this series that we are looking at. Previous ones were based on true stories, but The movie Inception contains some of the following elements throughout it, if you've seen it or not. It deals with the theme of the nature of ideas and the subconscious. Uh, Also, reality and what is real versus what is not real. It deals with the theme of dreams, actual dreams while we sleep, and also the issue of guilt. In fact, I looked up the word Inception. Uh, dictionary.com and it says beginning, start, commencement. Beginning, start, and commencement. Then it says in science fiction, the act of instilling an idea into someone's mind by entering his or her dreams. I think you have a pretty successful movie when uh, the dictionary is updated to include uh, the use of Uh, of Inception in this movie, but in the movie there is a question proposed to the main character, Mr. Cobb, and Mr. Cobb is hired by numerous, for numerous reasons, by different organizations or persons to steal information from someone's subconscious mind while they are in a dream state, and the question that is proposed is this. Where are you going to go? Bueno, sorry. I can lie low there, maybe sniff out a job when things quiet down. You? Stateside. Send my regards. He saw the art. Thought to come to me and bargain for his life. So, I offer you the satisfaction. It's not the way I deal with things. 
you do with it? Nothing. But I can't speak for Cobalt Engineering. What do you want from us? Inception. Is it possible? Of course not. If you can steal an idea from someone's mind, why can't you plant one there instead? Okay. Here's me planning an idea in your head. I say to you, don't think about elephants. What are you thinking about? Elephants. Right, but it's not your idea because you know I gave it to you. The subject's mind can always trace the genesis of the idea. True inspiration's impossible to fake. It's not true. Can you do it? Are you offering me a choice? Because I can find my own way to square things with Cole. Then you do have a choice. And I choose to leave, sir. Tell the crew where I want to go. Hey, Mr. Cobb! How would you like to go home? To America? To your children? Can't fix that! No one can! Just like Inception. Cobb, come on. How complex is the idea? Simple enough. No idea is simple when you need to plant it in somebody else's mind. My main competitor is an old man in poor health. His son will soon inherit control of the corporation. I need him to decide to break up his father's empire. God, we should walk away from this. Hold on. If I were to do this, if, if I even could do it, I'd need a guarantee. How do I know you can deliver? You don't, but I can. So, do you want to take a leap of faith or become an old man filled with regret, waiting to die alone? Assemble your team, Mr. Cobb, and choose your people more wisely. Where are you going to go? Mr. Cobb due to some events separated from his children and not able to return home and here he is presented with an opportunity of someone who says that they can take care of his legal problems and allow him to return stateside but based off of his ability regarding this question if you can steal an idea from someone's mind why can't you implant one? We've been seeing in this series through Pastor Craig's message last week and even some in my message the previous week that the mind is a battlefield. But I want to tell you today that the mind is not just a battlefield. It is also an agricultural field. Let me talk about seeds for a moment. Seeds. What are seeds? Well, when it comes to our mind, and you think about our mind being an ag agricultural field, each and every idea is like a seed. Thoughts are a type of seed. Ideas and thoughts can grow within our mind, and they can lead to a harvest in our life. For instance, 
from one thought, from one idea, something can be formed and fashioned in the world we live. That from one thought and one idea can lead to tangible behaviors being committed. That one thought, one idea can lead to something being formed in the world. The creation of a company. The creation of a product. The creation of a business or objects. Now within the biblical worldview and for followers of Jesus, we understand that thoughts and ideas can lead to either what the Bible calls the work of the flesh or the work of the spirit. Now when you understand that the mind is not just a battlefield but it's an agricultural field and therefore it is a place where seeds, where ideas and thoughts are seeking to be sowed and planted and to to grow within our mind and our heart. You need to understand that the devil and his demons seek to sow thoughts into your mind. It is staggering. It is staggering. The number and amount of believers that I have personally ministered to, counseled to, counseled with, ministered, taught, that in Western Christianity does not understand that the devil can sow thoughts into their mind. And therefore there is, when you understand how many do not recognize and know that, it becomes clear why so many followers of Jesus in America live so far below what Christ has accomplished for us. Because if you think every thought and idea that you have ever heard or had in your mind originated from you, then I understand why you have so much self-doubt. I understand why you have so much self-hatred, self-wrath. Why you're so self-conscious and and lack confidence because if you think every thought that has ever entered your mind is yours, then it's very easy to believe lies and that you are incapable, that it is impossible that you could live out God's will. But the truth of the matter is, it's not every thought that has ever entered your mind originated from you. That the origin, the inception, the beginning, the commencement, the start of some thoughts, ideas, desires, imaginations, and feelings have begun by the enemy of God and the enemy of your life, the devil and his demons. And that's why Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, here's what he says. And it's applicable to every believer. Casting down arguments. What is arguments? It's that which argues against the truth of God, His worldview, ultimate reality. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Within the biblical worldview and within the New Testament Christianity and for followers of Jesus, Paul says that we have to live with an awareness that our our mind is like an agricultural field and 
thoughts and seeds are seeking to be sowed and planted and therefore we must take every thought, we must take every imagination, we must take every idea captive in order to evaluate it, to identify the source of it, to look at it and to see if it lines up with God's Word. See, the devil often seeks to plant seeds by force, to plant seeds, ideas, and thoughts through what's called intruding thoughts, oppressive thoughts, through suggestive thoughts, through enticements. And here's the difficulty of the age and the time that you and I live in, and I don't mean 2020, I mean the big age of of God's history and plan is that this is happening consistently without our consent. This is not like, you know, when you get an app and it, or you go online and sign up for something and you got to check the box to give consent for them to steal your information, but they're not stealing it because we gave our consent. <laughs> and... Uh, this, this is something, listen, that is happening consistently without our consent. The enemy and his demons are seeking to plant ideas and thoughts and suggestions in our mind. In our mind. He's using the world. He's using the messaging of the world. He's using the cultures of the world. He's using the marketing of the world. And listen, our passivity to that reality leads to His purpose prevailing in our mind and in our heart. And what does it mean when the devil's purpose is prevailing in our mind and heart? What it means is, is that you might feel more hopeless than you need to feel this morning. It it might mean that you might think you have to settle in an area of your life when you don't have to settle. It might mean that You're not able to to see the possibilities of God for your life when there are more possibilities for your future than you could imagine today in Christ. That when you don't understand that the devil without your consent is constantly seeking to plant his seeds, his thoughts, his dreams for your future, for your life in the agricultural field called your mind and you are passive to that truth, it will lead to His purpose prevailing in your mind and heart. It'll lead to wrong reasoning. It'll lead to a type of thinking that will hold you back from what God wants for your life, for what Jesus has purchased for your life. It'll lead to to feelings that you don't have to necessarily carry and experience day in and day out. Now on the other hand, God's provided seeds for you and I. His seeds, He's provided in His scriptures. And they're promises. It's ultimate reality. It's things regarding the type of future we can experience. The dream that God has for you and I in all the areas of our life. The difference is, is you and I must intentionally sow and plant them into our mind and heart. See, the devil's thoughts, the devil's ideas... You don't have to be intentional. 
He's intentional, constantly seeking to capture our thoughts, to capture our imagination, to capture and plan ideas in our life. It happens without our consent. But when it comes to God's ways, when it comes to God's seeds, God's word, you and I must intentionally plant them and put them in our mind. God does not, without our consent, sow His promises into our mind. God honors the authority He gave us called the authority of choice. The devil doesn't honor that. He seeks to intrude. He seeks to intimidate. He seeks to sow His seeds. But, but God has seeds, but you and I have a role to play. We must intentionally and purposefully engage Scripture. We must intentionally and purposefully open it, read it, memorize it, meditate over it, which is the word of just constantly mulling and going over it. We must learn it. And yet, if we're passive in doing this, our passivity leads to God's purpose for us. Being delayed or hindered in our life. 2 Peter 1.4, the Apostle Peter, he says that by which have been given to us the followers of Jesus exceedingly great and precious promises. God doesn't just have great promises. He's got exceedingly great. It means all of our expectation of what God has for our life, what God has for this church, what God has for this community is low, I guarantee it, compared to what God can do. Because Ephesians 3.20 said God can do more than you and I could ever imagine or even know to ask for. Because God's got promises that are exceedingly great. And that why they're precious. Because you can't find it anywhere else. You can't find... Such exceedingly great and precious promises. Watch this. Why did He give us these promises? That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Listen, God doesn't want you just to read His Word and get excited about His Word. He don't want you to just get excited about that there's promises. He wants you to partake and experience the promises. God don't want us just to be knowledgeable of His will. He wants us to experience the good pleasure of His will. And notice the intent. That we might be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. What, he, what Peter's saying here is God's word's like a seed. And like a seed, you got to plant it in your mind. you got to engage it. you got to memorize it. you got to study it. you got to open the scriptures and, and give time and effort in reading it. And as you plant it in your mind, the intention is that you would then would partake of the reality of that promise. The reality of what God has said. So listen, if ideas are a type of a seed, we must acknowledge the following. That ideas can come from words. And words come from people. This is why when you read the book of Proverbs, as I'm taking my 12-year-old son now through Proverbs, and he's weekly memorizing Proverbs because Proverbs were given to, for young men, young women to understand that there are two ultimate ways, there are two ultimate voices that are calling out in the valley of decision, the way of the fool and the way of the wise. And early on in Proverbs, the spirit of wisdom highlights why the wise choose their close friends carefully. 
In the beginning, Proverbs says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Don't go with them when they say, Let us, let us. It says, Don't consent. The wise choose their close friends carefully. Have you ever asked yourself, those that you allow close into your life, where they get their ideas and their worldview from? Because ideas come from words, and words come from people. In Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says that words are so important because ideas and thoughts and dreams come from words. That he says in the kingdom, I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. Wow! That in the kingdom of God, the reality is, is that words are like seeds. And you and I, as we do life with one another, we're called to plant seeds, God's seeds. Not our own ideas, not our own explanations, not our own dreams for other people, but we are to be vessels to encourage others in God's seeds, and God's dream for their life. To remind them of God's word, God's worldview, that you and I should edify one another. We should build up one another through speaking God's promises and God's words and saying, listen, you maybe didn't know that God has more available for you, but let me tell you, there's a seed, there's a promise in God's word that says you don't have to keep experiencing this in that area of your life. That your present don't have to be your tomorrow. That your today don't have to be your future. Sometimes edifying another means tearing down what's keeping them from being built up. Tearing down wrong thinking that's keeping them from being encouraged. It's keeping them from pursuing God's will and God's passion for them. So listen, your mind and my mind is like an agricultural field. And the devil is purposefully and consistently without your consent, seeking to sow his thoughts, his ideas, his imaginations, his dreams for your life. And yet God, on the other hand, has provided his thoughts, his ideas, his dream, his promises for your life. But you have to intentionally and purposefully open Scripture and allow them to be planted in your mind. Now let me talk secondly about subconscious seeds. Subconscious seeds. Listen, ideas and thoughts can come from feelings. That when we feel a certain way, those feelings can lead to ideas and thoughts that we have. And ideas and thoughts can come from dreams. And by dreams here, I'm referring to dreams when we sleep. When we're in REM stage and rapid eye movement stage, that dreams invoke Sometimes strong emotions and feelings. There's an emotion to dreams. And as I stated previously, the devil often seeks to plant seeds, his thoughts, his imaginations, his ideas for our life by force, by intruding thoughts, oppressing thoughts, suggestive, enticing thoughts. But listen, he also has another tactic. Another tactic that goes right along with Subconscious seeds. What is this other tactic? Deception. See, the interesting thing about deception is what makes deception deception is you don't know it's deception. Deceived people don't know they're deceived. Which means something is going on, but it's at the subconscious level. 
They're not living with the clarity or an awareness that they're deceived. That their thinking is wrong. That the imaginations are wrong. That what they're feeling or thinking about their future is wrong. And deception happens when the source of an idea, the source of a thought, the source of a feeling, the source of a dream of your future, the source of it's not clear to you, and the source of it's not recognized by you. See, what did inception by definition mean? It means the beginning, the start, and the commencement of something. And deception happens when we are not clear, when we are not aware, when we're not conscious that the commencement, the beginning, the start of that thought, that imagination, that desire, that dream of how you envision your future comes from the enemy of your soul. The enemy that hates your creator, hates your God. The deception of inception. The deception Split up of inception. My father's empire. Now this is obviously an idea that Robert himself would choose to reject. Which is why we need to plant it deep in his subconscious. The subconscious is motivated by emotion, right? It's not reason. We need to find a way to translate this into an emotional concept. How do you translate a business strategy into an emotion? That's what we're here to figure out, right? Now Robert's relationship with his father is stressed to say the least. Well, can we run with that? You've suggested him breaking up his father's company as a screw you to the old man. No, because I think positive emotion trumps negative emotion every time. We all yearn for reconciliation, for catharsis. We need Robert Fisher to have a positive emotional reaction to all this. All right, we'll try this. Um, my father accepts that I want to create for myself, not follow in his footsteps. That might work. Might? We need to do a little better than might, Paul. Thank you for your contribution, Arthur. Forgive me for wanting a little specificity, Eames. Specificity? Inception's not about being specific. When we get inside his mind, we're gonna have to work with what we find. On the top level, we open up his relationship with his father. Say, I will not follow in my father's footsteps. Then the next level down, we feed him. I will create something for myself. Then, by the time we hit the bottom level, we bring out the big guns. My father doesn't want me to be him. Exactly. Three layers down, dreams are going to collapse with the slightest disturbance. Sedation. For sleep, stable enough to create three layers of dreaming, we'll have to combine it with an extremely powerful sedative. will be using to share the dream creates a very clear connection between dreamers whilst actually accelerating brain function. In other words, it gives us more time on each level. Brain function in the dream will be about 20 times normal. Notice that the guy that you saw in the helicopter in the first clip that we showed, he has now hired this team to convince someone who is becoming an heir of his father's business empire. They're seeking to plant within his subconscious mind the idea of breaking up his father's empire and selling it so that the man in the helicopter, that his business wouldn't be overshadowed, that he would be able to move his business forward. Notice inception, the beginning, the start, the commencement. 
the deception of inception, of what is the beginning of thoughts that we have, imaginations, dreams that we have. They needed to plant in his mind the idea of that his father didn't want him to follow in his footsteps and that, that he would have this feeling that the right thing to do, the thing that his father would want him to do after he died was to break up the father's company. I have encountered personally, and as a pastor counseled numerous individuals that have encountered the enemy seeking to sow seeds and certain ideas and thoughts and feelings in what the Bible calls the night season. The night season through dreams while we sleep. That the enemy at times seeks through our dreams to sow his thoughts, his ideas, certain feelings. Why? In hopes that when we awake, those seeds, those thoughts, those feelings of the dream would begin to motivate us, would begin to influence our choices, would begin to influence the direction of our life. Now listen, this often is a tactic the enemy uses when you, if you're a follower of Jesus, are growing in sanctification. What does that mean? That you are growing and walking outwardly who God already made you inwardly. Meaning, you have done what 1 John 2 says. You are growing in strength as a child of God because you're letting the Word of God abide in you. And because of the Word of God is abiding more in your mind and heart, you are experiencing more the strength of God to resist temptation and lust and enticements and things that you used to be more vulnerable to. And so when the enemy sees someone growing because the Word of God is abiding in this area of their life and he's finding it more difficult to tempt them when they're awake and conscious, a last tactic often in that area that you have experienced defeat for sometimes years is he'll try to come in the night season through the dream and stir those imaginations, stir feelings of lust, stir thoughts and ideas related to that area where you're growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Now what do you do about that? Well, you learn to pray before you go to sleep. And you pray and you apply the blood of Jesus over your night season and you apply the blood of Jesus over your mind and over your life as you sleep. Now, I've had this happen numerous times when I have traveled and I've been in new environments, in hotels where I can't control what's happening in the other room next to me or the other room, that you got to understand that sin defiles places. That's, that's what you see in the most quoted you know, scripture revival, 2 Chronicles 7.14, and that God would heal our land. What is, what, how do you heal land? What it's saying is, is that sin gives place to defilement, to the works of the enemy. And there's times when I've traveled where I've forgotten to cleanse and apply the blood of Jesus to that room and that bed. Because who knows what's happened in that bed and in that room before I arrived that's given place to demonic spirits. And so you learn to apply the blood of Jesus that cleanses and protects and to say, as long as I'm here, I pray, I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of any sins that's happened in this place, in this room. And I ask that the blood of Jesus would cleanse this atmosphere, 
And as long as I'm here, I pray, King Jesus, that your kingdom, your rule would come. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill this place with the presence of Jesus. And I pray when I go to sleep, I say now, Father, I thank you that you said that you give your beloved sweet sleep, that you said that your children would lie down in peace. And Lord, I apply the blood of Jesus over my mind and my, and my dream and sleep as I sleep. And that protects you. It'll protect you. Because the devil don't want you growing in the victory you already have in Jesus. And so if he's having a hard time tempting and getting you to yield to places where he easily got you to sin before, he'll try to stir those desires, stir those affections and thoughts in the dream, in the night season. you got to understand, we believe the Bible. And the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, that's demons. The devil is the enemy of your soul. Your soul. Now when we talk about dreams, I don't want to just think about dreams when we sleep, but I also want to think about dreams about your future. About what God has for you. When you think about your future, what, what dreams do you have? When we sleep, dreams can feel real. Likewise, there can be feelings that have inspired the dreams you have for your future that can feel real and right to you and yet have originated from deception. That inception of deception has occurred. That sometimes people, when they dream of their future and the future they want and what they're pursuing, there can be strong emotions involved in what they're dreaming about their future and not yet realize that the motivation for that future, the motivation of that dream doesn't come from God in his heart. Am I the only one that ever dreamed about my future in ways that later God exposed that that might have been my dream or the enemy's dream or someone else's dream for me, but it wasn't his dream? God calls these false dreams. In Jeremiah 23 and 32, the prophet says, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. What are false dreams? False dreams, listen, are that those dreams that seek to turn you away from your God. They're those dreams that seek to turn you away from God's Word, from devoting yourself to God's Word and to God's seeds. That those that seek to turn you from God's dream for your future and life and seek to turn you from His Son, Jesus Christ. False dreams about your future are dreams that seek to turn you from godliness that brings the true contentment in life. Now, when you think about dreams, oftentimes I get the question, well, is every dream spiritual? Well, the difficulty of answering that question without explaining it is you've got to understand everything you do is spiritual because you're a spirit, you're a soul, and you live in a body. So everything we do is spiritual because we are spiritual. Our spirit is engaged in everything we do. So in that sense, yeah, all dreams are spiritual. Because it's not like you no longer are a spirit when you dream. But we got to understand that biblically, dreams can come through much activity. 
Ecclesiastes 5.3, Solomon said that through much activity, being overly active can cause dreams to occur. What is that? It's the subconscious mind seeking to process as we sleep the overload of information that it has been occupied with, the mind, while we were awake. We got so many things going on, our mind's thinking about, we got this objective, we got this coming up, we're dealing with this, and therefore dreams can come about through much activity. Dreams can also come about through the desires or the senses of the body affecting the mind during the sleep. For instance, in Isaiah 29 and 8, God says through the prophet, It shall even be as when a hungry man dreams, and look, he eats, but he awakes, and his soul is still empty. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and look, he drinks, but he awakes, and indeed he is faint. And his soul still craves, so the multitude of the nation shall be who fight against Mount Zion. What's he saying? He's saying that you can dream about eating because physically, while you're sleeping, your body is hungry. That the bodily senses can affect the dreams we have. I'll never forget my dog that we had one dog. Well, I had two dogs, but for most of my childhood growing up, we had one dog. His name was Jordan. He was a peekapoo, a little small white dog. And as he got older, he began to go downhill as far as the functions of his body and things like that. And I'll never forget, right before Michelle and I got married, we were engaged at the time and I had moved home and making preparations uh, to, to be married in several months uh, ahead. And I had this dream that was so gross. It, it, it was just gross because it had to do with excrement. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world am I dreaming about number two? It was such a gross dream. I woke up and my dog had diarrhea all over my room. And because the physical sense smelled it while I was sleeping, started dreaming about poo. We should have went ahead and put that dog down right then that day. Should have killed him right there on the spot. But what do you see? Same thing the prophet says. That the physical senses, hunger, thirst, what you smell, can influence our dreams when we're in such a state. But notice this scripture. Because this scripture gives us insight on how, not just dreams when we sleep, but the dreams we're pursuing for our future can be false. That there are dreams when the inception, the beginning, the origin of those dreams aren't of God, that you can pursue them, and yet when you get the fulfillment of those dreams, still leave you hungry, still leave you empty, still leave you thirsty, still leave your soul barren, missing substance and a sense of joy and contentment, and fulfillment. And God says to those dreams, they're false because they'll leave you just as empty as you are now. They're false dreams. They'll leave you faint. They'll leave you malnourished. And they come from false ideas, false thoughts, false imaginations, false words from the enemy of our soul. 
And the danger is, is that when we're deceived, we don't know we're deceived. We think we're pursuing God's dream. We think we're pursuing it, and it's a false dream. It's something that will leave us empty. We think, oh, if I just had that amount of money. Oh, if I just had that relationship. Oh, if I just hit that career goal. Oh, if I just had the lake house. Oh, if I just had this, that then I would be fulfilled. And God says, those are false dreams. If those dreams don't originate in Christ and contentment in Him, they're false dreams. They'll leave you empty. They'll leave you empty. But can I tell you that God's got a dream for you? God's got a dream for me. God's got a dream for us. God's got a dream for this church. And listen, God's dreams for our life won't leave us empty. It'll bring the sufficiency and the substance of the beauty of Christ. Who He is. It'll fill our soul with the fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever noticed how much of the fruit of the Spirit affects our emotions? Love and joy and peace. And God can speak through dreams while we sleep. He spoke to Joseph in dreams. He spoke to Solomon in a dream. He spoke to many of his prophets in a dream. He spoke to Pharaoh in in some dreams. He spoke to kings in dreams. He said in the last days that he'd pour out his spirit and that old men would dream dreams of the Holy Spirit. He spoke to to Paul through a night vision concerning where to preach the gospel. So dreams. So there's seeds. There's subconscious seeds. There's dreams. While we sleep, there's dreams we're pursuing while we're awake for our future. But there's a catch-22 when it comes to movies. And here's the catch-22. We all probably like watching a good movie to relax, to have a few hours not to think about the obstacles maybe we're facing in this season in life, to engage with something that doesn't require us to constantly think critically. That's why when we speak of movies, we say that movie moved me. It got me in touch with my emotions through watching the story of another. But here's the catch, 22, with that. Is that when we are in such a state, we are more vulnerable to receive seeds subconsciously. Meaning, notice in that clip we said, when they said, how are we going to plant this? He said, I believe that it's positive emotions that influence people more. The negative. And we can be watching a movie and we start feeling positive and we start feeling good and if we're not aware, some subconscious seeds can begin to be sown in our mind and heart that try to create false dreams for our future. It tries to make us start pursuing things that's not God's dream, God's best for our life. See, we're in a more subconscious state then. And before long, listen... People begin to dream about another life. They begin to dream about another career. They begin to dream about another job. They begin to dream about another spouse. They begin to dream about another city. They begin to dream about another standard for success. They begin to dream about another picture of the future they want. They begin to dream about another existence, another marriage, what another has instead of what God has for them. And you and I shouldn't be unaware of this. I'm not saying we can't engage in it. And watching movies. I'm just saying you and I as followers of Jesus shouldn't be unaware of this. That when you and I are in an emotional state, it's a more subconscious state. And it's easier for false seeds and false dreams to get planted in our mind and heart. Listen, this is what Paul said. He told believers, he says that we shouldn't be ignorant of the swiles, the schemes of the devil. We should understand how the devil would love to plant his seeds, his thoughts, his imaginations. Let me tell you another time we're vulnerable. It's through the use of narcotics. 
drinking alcohol. That in times like that, we're more vulnerable to subconscious seeds being sown. And before long, we're feeling a certain way. We're pursuing certain dreams. We're having certain desires. We're thinking of certain things. And we don't realize that those subconscious seeds were planted when we were in a more vulnerable state. More vulnerable state. Let me tell you other times where we're very vulnerable to the inception of deception. For the enemy to plan his thoughts, his ideas, dreams, imagination, his plans for our future. When we're very angry. When we're in a highly emotional moment. It's very easy. Another is when we're on a mountaintop of victory. We're feeling high in life and feeling that we can take on the world. It's very easy for subconscious seeds for the enemy to try to slip in. Let me tell you another one. We're very tired. When you're physically exhausted, when you're emotionally exhausted, you and I are more vulnerable in those moments for the enemy to come and through subconscious seeds to try to plant thoughts, ideas, imaginations for the dream he has for you and I instead of what God has. There's this line in the movie, it's a powerful line, it says this, An idea is like a virus, resilient, highly contagious, and the smallest seed of an idea can grow. It can grow to define you, or it can grow to destroy you. Wow. An idea. Because ideas are like seeds in the agricultural field of our mind and our heart. The movie is about shared dreaming. It's about shared dreaming and through the shared dream seeking to influence the subconscious of another. Did you know that all life is about shared dreaming? That as much as you and I want to be so individualistic and so much individuals, listen, there is no one on earth that isn't sharing in a dream. Because there is two big dreams for every person on the earth. It's either we're sharing in the devil's dream for the future or we're sharing in God's dream for the future. All of us is experienced shared dreaming. That God looks at us as humanity and he's got a dream for you and I. The devil looks at humanity and he's got a dream for humanity. The question you and I got to ask ourselves today is whose dream are you living? devil has a dream for you, but God's got a dream for you. Whose dream will define you? Whose dream will grow in you? The main character and his spouse, they got trapped in a dream state for what in the dream was equivalent to around 50 years. 50 years. And they were asked, they asked Mr. Cobb how he could stand it. And he said this, he said, we built a world for ourselves. At first, it was all right living like gods. Notice that. But then the problem was knowing that none of it was real. It became impossible for me to live like that. Is that not what happened to mankind? We started sharing in the devil's dream because the sin is lawlessness. And we tried and said, we're just going to live as, as, as if we're God. We're going to have life our way. We're going to choose life our way. And for a while, it was good living or believing that we're God. But there comes a point. We hope that that false reality shatters in every one of our life. We realize that we are not God. That we are not King and Lord. That Jesus alone is King. But when that happens, our false world begins to collapse. 
the world or the dreamlike state that you and I were living. When it, we find out it's not God's reality, that we are not God, that we are not good enough to earn heaven, that we don't have all we need to meet the demands of life, that we're in need of a help of another. We're in need of forgiveness or cleansing. Listen, the false world collapses. And it's a very difficult thing when our false worlds begin to collapse. But listen, it's God's mercy. Because God doesn't want us to spend our entire life living in a shared dream of the devil, living in a false reality that you and I can be our own God, that we can be our own king, that there's no accountability, that we don't need a savior, that we don't need forgiveness, that we don't need to be born again, that we don't need the Holy Spirit to sow seeds of God's promises for the future He has in our life. It's God's mercy when those false dreams collapse. But listen, when that happens, you and I are very vulnerable. Oftentimes it leads to the midlife crisis of people. Because they were pursuing something and they get what they were pursuing and they find themselves still hungry, still thirsty, still void. It's a false dream, the prophet said. God's dream won't let us stay feeling empty. He'll provide the bread of life, the substance of life, Christ. Christ alone. That Godliness is the true contentment. True contentment. But regardless of our age, listen, it's better to wake up from that false dream that we can be our own God, our own king, or the false dreams of the devil that we were living in come to know God's dream for our life. God's dream for us in Jesus. His dream that you and I would bear fruitfulness for Him, that we would demonstrate and bear His image to other people, that, that Jesus is the vine and we're the branches, that we would bear kingdom fruit. That we would bear His plan. We would bear His seeds and His promises, His works and His purpose. But the question you and I got to ask, how do we know what is real? How do we know our reality? How do we know whose dream we're living, pursuing? Are we in another person's dream? Or are we in a false dream? How do we know? Hey, 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 look at me. You're okay. You're okay. Hey. Why? Why wouldn't I wake up? Because there was still some time on the clock. You can't wake up from within the dream unless you die. She'll need a totem. What? A totem. It's a small person. That's some subconscious you've got on your cob. She's a real charmer. Oh, I see you met Mrs. Cobb. She's his wife? Yeah, so a totem. You need a small object, potentially heavy, something you can have on you all the time that like, no one else like knows. Like a coin? No, it needs to be more unique than that. Like, this is a loaded die. I can't let you touch it, that would defeat the purpose. See, only I know the balance and the weight of this particular loaded die. That way, when you look at your totem, you know beyond a doubt that you're not in someone else's dream. I, I, I don't know if, if you can't see what's going on or if you just don't want to, but Cobb has some serious problems that he's tried to bury down there, and I'm not about to just open my mind to someone like that. She'll be back. I've never seen anyone pick it up that quickly before. Reality's not gonna be enough for her now, and when she comes back... When she comes back, you're gonna have her building mazes. Where are you gonna be? I gotta go visit Eames. Eames? No, he's in Mombasa. It's Cobble's backyard. It's a necessary risk. How do we know whose dream we're in? Whose dream we're following? How do we know reality? A totem. A totem. A totem is anything serving as a distinctive. 
You and I need a totem that evaluates the dreams that we're pursuing. You and I need a totem that evaluates what, what we consider reality. Is it ultimate reality? Is it current reality? Can there be a different tomorrow reality? Can there be a different future reality? We need a totem. And for us, you and I, totem is God's Word. The totem is God's Word. That the Word is the eyes of the Lord that divides to the very thoughts and the intents of our heart. The Word exposes the origin, the beginning, the inception of thoughts and ideas and dreams that we have. Is, is it, are we sharing in God's dream? Are we sharing in Jesus' dream for us and for His church and for our future? This God's Word is our total. It, it defines ultimate reality for us. That we can look at God's Word and beyond a shadow of a doubt, we can know this is the will of God for me. I can pursue this. I can trust God for this. I can sow God's promise in my mind. I can hold fast to His Word that God is not a man that He should lie. It's impossible for Him to lie. And despite what I'm feeling and despite what I'm seeing and despite what I'm going through, God's Word will never fail. It's my totem. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me grounded. See, I know inception's real. I know it can happen because it happened to me. The inception of deception. New Year's Eve, 1998. In a more vulnerable, subconscious state, had been mixing drugs and drinking alcohol all through the night. I heard one thought in the middle of that night as I stood in the kitchen of the house that my parents had for sale. That one thought was, you're in hell and it's too late. Now in a normal state of mind, that that thought might have been very easy to take captive. It it might have been very easy to, to realize that that was the voice of the devil. That was his idea. His thought. But in more vulnerable states, it's difficult at times to see the deception of the devil's inception and that one thought and listening and believing that one thought is how I ended up in the psych ward after I went and slipped my wrist to try to get out of the hell that in the moment I believed and thought I was in. But I want to tell all of us today That regardless of the world we thought we were living, regardless of the reality of what we thought was real, that we have a God that's got a good dream for you and I. And in Jesus, we can dream again. That in His Word, there are promises that are not yes and no and yes and maybe. They're yes and amen. That you and I have a totem regardless of the age of our life. That know that what we're pursuing is reality. It's God's will for us. That we're not pursuing the devil's dream. We're not pursuing false ideas and imaginations and lies of culture. But we got the totem to go to the very thoughts and intents of our heart. I ask myself the question, why do so many settle for the false dreams of the devil? and not pursue God's dream for them. Why do so many settle? Why do so many settle and not pursue all of God's dream for them? Subconscious guilt. 
you saw in that clip that she began to talk about Mr. Cobb's subconscious and the guy looked at her and said oh you met Mrs. Cobb what is that? Mr. Cobb the main character Leonardo DiCaprio he had guilt for his wife's passing and every time he would enter into the shared dreaming his subconscious guilt over his wife's passing would begin to enter into the dream and there's many here today and you got the totem of God's word that says he can do more than you could ever imagine or ask through you by his power that he's got promises exceedingly great promises he's got a future he knows the plans that he has for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you and yet we sit passive we don't want to open our heart and mind and, and believe again why is that listen subconscious guilt but I want to tell you Hebrews 9.14 come on band Hebrews 9.14 says oh how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God God has made a way through the blood of Jesus to cleanse our conscience, to cleanse our guilt, the guilt that tries to talk us out of believing God's seeds for the dream He has for our future, believing God's promises for how He dreams of our future, subconscious guilt. It might be guilt of failure. It might be guilt that's completely not even a reality that the devil's lied to you and you're feeling guilty over something you're not even guilty in. But regardless of what it is, God has made provisions for our subconscious guilt. He's made provisions through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus can cleanse our guilt today. That when we get out and we begin to think about our future, we begin to dream about what God has for our future, our subconscious doesn't fill it with guilt, pessimism, negativity, failure, defeat. Our conscience is cleansed. God's seeds can begin to germinate in our heart and our mind and our imagination. We're more than conquerors in Him. That he who began a good work will bring it to completion. That he surrounds us with songs of deliverance. If God be for us, who can be against us? That greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That sin shall not have dominion over you. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, the movie really is a comeback story. Because at the end, a way is made for him to come back to his children that he was kept from. And I want to tell everybody listening today and everybody that will listen that as long as you and I have breath in our lungs, a comeback story is still available. That God still says today's the day of salvation. He's made a way through the blood of Jesus that regardless of the guilt of our past, regardless of subconscious guilt that might be driving our dysfunctions and driving our failures, that He's made a way through Jesus to cleanse us, to bring us back home where He wants to wrap us in His arms of love and His loving kindness and His mercy that fails not but is new every morning. That today's the day of deliverance. God says to all of us, come home, my child. Come home. Let go of the false dreams and let me begin to seed in your heart and mind my dream for your future again. Let the blood of my son cleanse you. Let Jesus 
be the inception, the beginning and the end of our life and our future. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.